0: You're listening to Women & Wealth WordPress, a podcast dedicated to the pursuit of female empowerment and financial freedom through the wonderful world of web design. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to talk about pricing. It's a very passionate subject of mine, so I'm glad that you're here.
1: I'm glad I'm here too and I love that that's actually a sentence that is becoming more and more common. I'm really looking forward to talking yeah. about something that makes most people uncomfortable. It's good that we're opening up that conversation and opening up ourselves to being not so much educated because I really hate mm. that whole what you'll learn and it's like, well no what you'll be given the opportunity to explore in your own way shape or form. yeah. Because, you know, if we're shoving chili down people's throats, making them try and get familiar with chili, then
0: that's probably not going to be the best way to do it. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's a lot to be said about taking what suits you. And I also think you get what you need in the moment. And then later on, you might take something else from something. And you have to build on that. Pricing and money isn't something that just becomes okay. You can't just flip a switch. You have to work on it constantly. And then you'll reach a new level and you have to work on it some more. So... Yeah, new challenges
1: present new heights that you get to present new problems in the entirety of an entrepreneurship. You will get comfortable with sourcing a certain kind of product for what you do, or you might find a supplier that you work really well with, and then they either change their business model or Mm. it no longer suits you, or you've just scaled up and leveled up into a new demographic and they have expectations or a new quality that you need to meet and the same goes for pricing the challenges that I'm having in my business that come down to money and pricing aren't the ones that I was experiencing last year they're all different challenges on the top of different mountaintops and you just got to try and work out how do I conquer this one because it's probably not going to be the same this time
0: yeah I love that okay I guess let's go back to basics so you call yourself the pricing queen which I love On a base level, what do you see over and over again? I guess even at these different levels, what are some of the pricing mistakes that people make?
1: Yeah, so a lot of beginners straight away put a discount code for enjoyment or a discount (laughs) code for being a beginner. Yeah. All of us have been beginners. Every single one of us has been a beginner. There was a time that you did not know how to use a spoon. So there's always going to be a time where you... Aren't going to be as proficient or mm. highly skilled or have the capabilities that maybe a person who is further on in their journey might have. And so recognizing that you don't have to straight away put a discount code on because you're enjoying your job or because yeah. you are, quote unquote, a starving artist, I feel like the more that we recognize ourselves and let ourselves be connected with that, the more it's going to come true. So a lot of the time we sit there and we go, oh, well, I'm only just starting out, so I should do it cheap. Well, I mean, if you're communicating it in a way that shows what the actual value should be, and then you can find ways to tweak it and recognize that charging cheap and then learning means that you have double discounted instead of you're either going to learn or earn. You can't do both all the time. Mm. And then as you start to build and grow and start working with more clients or different clients or different styles of clients, different levels of clients, forgetting to alter your pricing accordingly. I have a friend of mine who works in government and she asked another friend, a photographer friend, to quote on a job. And her quote came in so low that it actually made her look really unprofessional and those kind of different clients expect different results they have different value exchanges and so pricing it like you're the one paying the bill or you're trying to make the price perfect rather than just exist is really one that I see everyone do every Mm -hmm. single person has done it before just don't do it twice Yes. Yeah. Let's pay the bill for that learning experience once and let's not do it again. Learn yeah. from it and alter it. And the other thing that I see more and more is trying to be fair. Fair pricing. It's a really confusing situation because we can only work out what's fair for us, but we try mm. and work out what's fair for everyone. Possible. Yeah. And we don't owe our clients affordability, but what we can offer is accountability and availability. We can offer them the ability to do it, to be available to do the work. And we're also can offer the level of experience or level of service that gives us the accountability to be responsible to solve those problems for them. But that doesn't mean we have to be affordable for them, because we can't pick what's affordable for other people. Yeah, it's like pretty woman styles, just going in and being like, big mistake, huge. You hard to pick other people's affordability; you can only pick it for yourself. So yeah. this like whole fair and fair pricing, and doesn't cost an arm and a leg. Well, I'm sorry, I take a different currency than body parts. Yeah, and this is what my prices are.
0: Yeah. That's a huge one I see in Facebook groups is people going, oh, what would you pay for this? This is the literal worst possible thing you can do for your business because everyone has a different level of money mindset as to what they'll pay for something and what's cheap to them and what's expensive to them. And then... Also, you just don't know where someone is at in their journey of their business. Someone might be starting a business, but they might have just got a hundred grand inheritance and just talking to them and going, oh, they're just starting out. They're just building Mm -hmm. up their business. Maybe i only charge them $3,000 instead of a logo. Just stop. You can't figure out other people's stories on face value. Yeah. And then in saying that as well, what is that mental load trying to, and this is another problem entirely, is pricing based on person or changing your pricing all the time. What is the mental load of trying to decide what you think someone will pay? How much thought process has to go into that? How little confidence will you have sending out that package going, oh, hopefully they'll pay this much? Do you know what I mean?
1: Mm, it, absolutely. It's, it's I, a I huge issue. If we're sitting there going, I hope and I pray that they'll pay, mm. you can't control that. And if we keep trying to control the uncontrollables, we will be left without energy to actually do the work. Yeah. Because if we're sitting there and trying to hope that they pay or hope that they agree, it's better to place yourself in a position to think they have the opportunity to work with yeah. me and I have something of value. I am something that they can use to build their business and to either add a revenue stream or add a capability or take something off their plate that they've been wanting to do for ages mm. or simply taking something off their plate that they just don't want to do. Convenience is a value. Yeah, The pure fact that They don't want to do something and you can just because they maybe have the abilities. They'd rather do something more valuable with their time or value accumulative with their time than what they're asking you to do. So do it and charge them. There's nothing wrong
0: with that. And it really just, it does come back to value and problem. What value do you offer? What problem do they have? How can you solve it? And I think If you can recognize that stuff in yourself or recognize those skills in yourself that you offer and recognize what a client is looking for. And if you can communicate that well, you can charge whatever you want. The number really doesn't matter, I think. And I found this a lot of the time when I talk to a client and I say a number on the call, they're like, oh yeah, that's fine. Like it's not, (laughs) and you get your own shit comes into it, but it's like, you just have to overcome that. So how do you, recommend that creatives price their work based on the value that they give to a client rather than the number of hours that they work because I think that's a big thing in this industry too. Mm.
1: Starting off with an hours is actually what I recommend, but don't stop there. Please, yeah. please. That's just keep going. <laughs> I recently did a talk for a summit that was talking about pricing from scratch, and for me the hours are a bag of flour. You can measure out as much or as little as you need but you can't sit there and do fistfuls of flour in your mouth and think that you're going to get a cake. You can't, you can't actually do that. That's just really messy and weird, to be <laughs> honest. But so if you start with hours and start then actually asking questions and finding out more information that talks about the unique business problem that they have and how what you're going to do in those hours is going to address that and then recognizing that there's an element of, well, what are you enabling? what are you giving them an opportunity Mm. for? Are you making them money? Are you saving them time? Are you educating them on something that's actually going to add something to their business that they didn't have before? We really get caught up in, I'm swapping time for dollars. If I keep raising my prices, I'm going to get to $300 an hour and be like, no one's going to be able to afford me. But if you're doing things in 15 minutes and charging $300 an hour, you're Still, like 15 minutes worth yeah. of $300 <laughs> an hour. So it means that the people who hear $300 an hour run for the hills, but they don't realize that that's the exchange there. Yeah. And quite often, I think the biggest problem is we're scared to ask questions because we think it makes us look dumb. And questions are your biggest asset or your ability to ask not only. The Mm. right questions, but the right amount of questions and still be curious enough to keep asking is really, really important. Because if we don't ask the particular or core question that is going to unlock the entire problem and find the way that we can best solve it for our clients and our customers, we're then leaving ourselves out of that equation. And we're probably going to start then trying to answer questions for the client. So I've had it before. I'm sitting there. I'm like, I can't work out either what to charge for this job or why this isn't working. And I start to get in that blame cycle of, oh, why can't I do this? I don't have the skills. I don't have the capability. I'm trying to make it so that they work with this particular deadline or this particular outcome and taking a step back and going, have I asked enough questions to make sure that they are accountable for the decisions? Am I trying to make decisions for their business that aren't mine to make? (laughs) <laughs> they aren't mine to include and to have part of my process. You and must, then yeah. how do we justify that relationship and rebuild on that relationship and that capability? The other part of that is really understanding that when it all comes down to it, your relationships are the things that are going to help strengthen your pricing abilities and capabilities we need to build these relationships so that we can have these difficult conversations or these open mm. conversations of, "I understand that you've hired me to do X, Y, Z, but is that actually the smartest thing for you to be investing your money in, and being okay with it, discovering that it's not the best thing? Mm. Maybe it's not the right time for them to rebrand. Maybe it's not the right time for them to head down a path of coaching or start offering a different service because they haven't done the work or there's something that's missing in that process. And if they then hire you and then you produce the work and it doesn't see the light of day, you're probably going to sit there and go, okay, this is my fault. When it's not, it's not. It should have been an opportunity for you to start asking questions and communicating with these relationships that you've been building with these clients so that you're ready and able to do the work and feel comfortable with the price tag that you need to put on it.
0: Mm. Yeah, and then I think similarly through the process, And when you build a good relationship, you can tell them, okay, this is what you came to me and you thought you needed, but this is what you actually need for your clients. Coming back to backing yourself, having that confidence in your skills and what you're offering and to be able to have those tough conversations because a lot of the time clients come to you and they go, I've seen this logo and this is the font I want and this is how I want it to look. And then you go through the discovery and you're like, this is what you would buy. This is not necessarily what your clients would buy. So that's a really big piece of that value too, I think. Mm. Yeah, working on your own communication skills and all that type of stuff. But coming back to the hours as well, I think there's definitely a lot of value in figuring out how long things take. And so that's a part of that starting out process as well, because you can say, oh, okay, cool. I'll do this thing and I'll charge $3,000 for it and that will take me 50 hours, but then you do it and it might take you 70 hours or whatever it is. So then you need to look at, is that pricing correct? Because within those hours, you need to account for your admin time, your time for meetings, your time spent marketing to get that client, your time wrapping up the project and adding it to your portfolio. It's not just the literal time spent with Illustrator open or whatever it is. There's so Mm -hmm. much more that goes into it. So yeah, I think time tracking is a really... Great key to get an idea of what we should actually charge. Yeah,
1: yeah, and also recognizing that sometimes we're not trying to calculate the time of how fast we can do it. Yes, yeah, (laughs) we're actually wanting to talk about how much time we would like to do our best work, or even not even our best work, but our eighty percent. Because quite honestly, sometimes your sixty percent is most people's hundred. Sometimes your good enough is someone's. How the did you do that? Yeah. Recognizing that we're not necessarily trying to, it's not our responsibility to try and keep our hours down as low as possible when we're pricing things. We're wanting to make sure that we allocate enough time to do our best work and to do mm. the work that needs to be done. So yeah, don't quote for how fast you can mm. do it, quote for how long it's going to take to do the
0: work that you need to do. Totally. And sometimes in terms of the creative process, you can be like, okay takes me 20 hours to do a brand or whatever but sometimes you get one project and it just something's not working and you can stare at a screen for eight hours and it doesn't work and then you go away and you have a walk and you have a swim and you go to sleep and then you dream about it and the next morning you're like okay I know what I need to do (laughs) you move a pixel and you're like done the creative process isn't linear I think that's why it is hard to charge in the long term in terms of hours and things like that and then I've shared this before on my Instagram, but something that might take me 15 minutes to do would take you five hours to do and then you might break something else in the process and then you're going to have to spend three hours fixing it next week. But that 15 minutes took me 10 years to learn how to do that 15 minute thing. So to know that system inside out, to know how to fix it or whatever it is. Yeah, we need to really come back to the time spent learning is worth so much as well, which is a beautiful feeling, I think, when you realise that. Yeah, <laughs> mm.
1: yeah. I've had clients where we've jumped on a Zoom call, and while we're talking about one project or one problem, she mentioned something of ah, like, oh, I'm really wanting to try and do this or this on my website. And so, why we're having the conversation? I'll solve that problem mm. and it's fixed. And a lot of the time, I actually prefer to work that way because. It means that I now don't have to book in time in my yes. day to solve that problem, to then remember what I was talking about. i yeah. done it on the call, it's done, it's sorted. And that's actually incredibly valuable for a client to not only bring their problem to the table, have it solved and they get off the call and it's done. That's, yeah. that's actually a premium service. And we can only do that when we have an expertise in that particular thing that we're offering.
0: Mm. And that comes back to that discount for enjoyment it was easy for you so it could be something that really easily you go oh it didn't take me long it's all good it was part of the call but at the same time it's an extra thing that wasn't included in the call so I think charging for small things like that and not for everything I think there's a lot to be said for having a relationship with your clients and they just ask you a question being a nice human and, and giving them an answer but also saying okay or if you do do those things be like okay cool just letting you know normally that would be this much money, but this time I'm gonna do it as a freebie just to help you out or whatever it is. We all have flexibility. We can use our common sense and all those types of things. But I do think even if it is a small thing, you still need to charge the majority of the time.
1: (laughs) Mm, Yeah, absolutely. I feel also there's some times where I've got I've got one particular client that pops into mind. And she herself, through her recommendations, has gotten me thousands of dollars worth Mm. of
0: work.
1: And so I will often on these calls say look honestly this usually would have been charged but because mm. you and it makes them feel good it makes it them does. feel good that they've yep. shared something of value with not only other people but they've helped my business so I said to her look this would usually be a charge thing but happy to help you out in this time if we need to do it again just let me know and we can try and work out what that quote would be like but this time it's fine don't worry about it yeah
0: yeah it's and it that's goes a it long way relationships yeah, and then those people will r- recommend you. They will come back to you. You're building a long-term client there, which again is it's a lot cheaper to work with a client that you already have than to get new clients all the time. So in this I think industry, the statistic when we is have like seven work,
1: times more expensive to get a new yeah. client than an old one.
0: Yeah, it makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, what some tips for negotiating? I say that in air quotes with clients on pricing. So if someone asks for a discount or if they say, oh, I can't afford that, what can you do? What do you recommend? Do you recommend negotiating or do you recommend standing firm? Or is there any other way that we can tweak those packages that you teach? So
1: I believe that negotiation is actually a really good thing for the mere fact that it means that the client is trying to find a way to work with you. Mm. But do not, do not misunderstand that that means Oh, they want to negotiate. I shall drop my rates. Yeah, please, because <laughs> as soon as we drop our rates, okay, flip the script. You have asked someone for a quote, and they've come back to you, and you said, "Oh, that's out of my price range," and then they've immediately discounted it. And your first thought isn't, "Yay, I got the discount!" It's, "Was that the price all along?"
0: Yeah, that's you so don't true. Want to
1: do that. So if you are wanting to negotiate, negotiate the deliverables, not the dollars. If you're going to switch up and take out elements that can then bring down the value to match the price, you don't have to meet them. You do not have to meet them at where they're saying that they want to. You can say back to them, this is as low as I can go by Mm -hmm. removing this, this, and this so that they can actually understand that it's altered what the outcomes are. I often will say to students, when offering pricing, see if you can give them two options that have different outcomes or different deliverables and whether that's one that meets them where they're at and one that is the extra or the extra value or a little bit more, because if they're saying a certain budget, that's an opportunity for you to go, I acknowledge that, I recognize that's where you're at, and that is what I am, that, that is information that I now have and can take into this process. But that doesn't mean that I have to try and shove everything into mm. that particular price. Price. It's, like, it's This is what a I can do for you. That you're going to then discount or undervalue or try to people-please the client. And we don't owe the affordability. We owe the availability and the accountability. And if we're trying to then fit into our clients' budgets, we will get caught up in the idea that our worth is defined by our clients' budgets. And it's not.
0: Yeah, that's so true. And I think, like, anytime I have in the past given a discount, it always leads to resentment. It always leads to... The project isn't it's just the memory of it or the work I do is it's, I just feel like it's not as good as I would normally do. Even if the website or whatever it is is as good, I'm happy to put it on my portfolio. I just wouldn't because there's always some weird feelings around it. And I think part of that is it's almost like letting them take the lead, whereas they're hiring you as the expert. You need to take the lead a little bit. You need to stand in your confidence and be, like, yes, okay, well, this is what I can give you, but you'll be missing out on these things. And these are things that I do recommend as a business, mm-hmm. but I totally understand if you want to add them as a second stage or later down the track, these are things that I really recommend you consider. I want to get you up. I want to do the best for your business, whatever it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's other ways you can do it, which is a really nice place to be.
1: And there's other ways that you can then bridge that value gap if there isn't a way to meet those two. So say you've got a job that you're quoting at $2,000 and they've only got $1,500 and you can't remove anything out of that job. you sat there and going, look, this is the situation. On this occasion, I'm not able to actually reduce any of the deliverables because I see that you need everything that we've got here. Then you can start getting creative because no is intellectually lazy. So we're finding ways (laughs) to bridge that value gap. And it might be, and I've had this in the past, it might be that they have a connection with a PR agency and they can get you that value gap in PR and getting published and maybe that's something that you wouldn't be able to buy but you can bridge the gap in value Mm. there. Maybe it's that they've got a photographer on staff who can provide you with fantastic photos of you painting a mural or doing whatever Mm. it is for that job that then you can put in your portfolio and make that a part of really reinvesting it back into your business. Stuff like barter or product or exchange of services can really Mm. help in that process as well. And understanding that larger budgets or larger businesses with different sections of their business can sometimes reallocate that budget or bring that budget up by spreading it across different departments. Yeah, okay. This is where we can help them afford us. Yeah, It's not our responsibility to do that. But yeah. if we can show that, we can sometimes then increase the ability for them to pay us more
0: yeah. and
1: meet us where we need it to be. I actually had a mural I did quite a few years ago. It was a juice bar mural, but it was within a fruit and veg shop that was on our local street. And they couldn't afford a two and a half thousand dollar mural at that time. They were just moving into the premises, but you know it was a lot to set up. They were having a lot of bills and everything like that. So I said, okay, let's do this whole thing as a credit. And I was in a position in my business with the rest of my clients that I was actually able to facilitate that because we can't do that for everyone because otherwise we can't pay our bills. (laughs) But in this situation and and the way I run my business is I have a really varying range of different levels of businesses and I have some businesses or clients that are more expensive clients and clients that are less expensive Mm. clients and I charge the more expensive problems well so that when there's these opportunities to help someone smaller be able to afford me, I can. Yeah. So that $2,500 credit of fruit and veg lasted me two years. Yeah, <laughs> that's two amazing. Two years worth of free fruit and veg. Yeah. And so if you can find a way to bridge that gap in that value and get creative but only with something that is of value to you. Yeah, it's mutually beneficial. That yeah, that's it. that's your responsibility to make sure that you ensure it is valuable to you. Mm. There was a Facebook group post Years ago <laughs> that I remember that someone was, we need website build and branding for our business. We do roller disco derbies or something like that. They did roller <laughs> disco parties and that was their business. Cool. Great. Yeah. And they said, we need this, this, and this, and we are going to pay in a roller disco party. And it's, you know what? I didn't think not about really picking one of those up from Coles or <laughs> at the end over the weekend. Probably not something that I'm going to value. And someone yeah. out there might, someone yeah. out there might be like, you know what? We've been thinking about that. I'm a graphic designer. I can facilitate that, put them together. Great. Cool. We've got a good exchange, but you've got to decide what's valuable for you. Mm. And in those situations, I highly recommend an MOU or a memorandum of understanding. It's a single document that you can put out exactly what you are bringing to the table, exactly what they are bringing to the table, and you recognize the value exchange is equal Yep. And you both sign off on it, and it yep. just puts it in writing of what the expectation is. Because there's only too many handshake agreements that can go south before you remember and realize, I'll oh, probably should have gotten this in writing.
0: Yeah. Do you have something like that that you offer? Or I
1: sure do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I've got, got
0: on my oh gosh, I'm going to try
1: and remember where it is. You know what? If you are someone who wants a template for a memorandum of understanding or an MOU. DM me on Instagram and I'll send you the link because that I'm is definitely the something that I've got put. available. Or I can pop it on the page that will have all
0: the goodies from this episode too. Okay, cool. That would be awesome. Because I have traded for some really cool shit over my time and it's, I think, an issue of contention. People are like, don't do it. And then there's a lot of people that do it. And I just think there is so much value in being able to trade your time for something that you really want. Some cool shit I've traded for a portion of my pool at my house. Excellent. Uh, my table, which is a custom-made wood table, and it, I always get compliments on it. Hairdressing, photography, my legal contracts. Yeah, I have some really good stuff I've traded for. And-
1: wine. Wine's uh, my a- bad <laughs> one, man. I've got two wine clients, and it's now getting to the point, because I've transitioned away from having a red wine bottle to myself. every weekend. <laughs> I've transitioned away from that slightly. And so now I just have quite a bit of wine. And so now it's my responsibility to reset that boundary. And yeah. I've had to in these last couple of months of they were just like, we need some more stuff. Can we send you more wine? And it's not that I don't appreciate it. <laughs> <What>? Fortunately, <laughs> the stock has gone down in value yeah. in my house. Supply I now have mom. a wine shell. <laughs> so maybe we need to switch it up and, you know, throw some money in that. Potentially. Yeah. And so that, that's my responsibility to reset that boundary. Yeah. And it can be an uncomfortable conversation, but the more we avoid the uncomfortable conversations, the more we're going to have Friday nights drunk thinking that we're just trying to get through our mm. stash,
0: Yeah, you know, work it out for you. Yeah. What's a value for you at this time? Totally. Mm. Okay. So coming back to one thing we've touched on is confidence. This is always such a topic of interest to me, and especially in terms of concrete things that you can do, like actual things that you can do. So how do you teach creators to build confidence in their pricing? It's actually so funny timing. And it's, it's one of those
1: things where it's like, well, funnily enough, I just did. <laughs> but actually funnily enough, I just did a masterclass <laughs> on charging with confidence. It was literally at the start of this month. Oh, so good. And the whole basis of charging with confidence is mindset shift
0: Mm.
1: and information cultivation. So you're shifting your mindset to think about, well, we're not hoping, begging, pleading, chasing, comparing. We're giving them the opportunity. We're recognizing that they can and might not need us. and. Entering into the Mm. discovery calls or the sales conversations that you have with your clients, not planning to necessarily be the outcome of, yes, they're a client now, but actually working out whether your skills can Mm. solve their problem or can facilitate that solution. And through that, or that process is only achieved by cultivating information. So that might be that you have got a lack of information, so you don't know whether what you've got is going to solve their problem. Therefore, you've got a lack of confidence. I'm feeling uncom- unconfident because I don't think that I can solve the problem. Okay, start asking questions. Ask questions that are in search of or seeking that information that is bridging those gaps and you want to get to a point where you've got All the information, or as much information as possible, to be able to go, yes, I can confidently say that this will solve the problem, or at least part of the problem. And then we'll get to that next step Mm. afterwards and we can go as we go. And sometimes that means that you might need to do a little bit of a test or a test print. My mum at the moment is painting her like third year in a row of Sala which is a South Australian I don't remember but it is an art (laughs) show basically that is like a walking art show through where she lives and my mum is so talented and so incredible she lacks confidence in her abilities and the way that she does it is she does a test print So she's currently painted this beautiful piece and she sent it to me last night. And I'm like, mom, that's so good. And she goes, yeah, that's the test. And so if we can create or build confidence by doing Mm. a test or doing a trying it out and seeing what works and being in that test environment, being okay with finding out what doesn't work, Mm. we can then recognize that actually finding out what doesn't work is just as helpful as finding out what does potentially because Mm. it means that you're not going to waste your time on the final to do that. And when I say the final in this situation, it's, okay, I don't have enough information. I've got all of the information now that I need to be able to quote enough or quote what I believe, and then start adding in the contingencies that you need to in your contracts, in your invoices, in your agreements, and in your communication of saying, look, I believe that in this time or in this situation, we're going to be able to solve this problem. Here are the things that I see that might go wrong. And I've put things in place to try and avoid that. Mm. But if they do, I will need to charge you more. I'm going to do everything in my power to try and make sure that it doesn't go wrong. But a lack of confidence in the outcomes is not the same as a lack of confidence in yourself. Mm. And as long as you make sure that you cover what you can do and have a confidence in your abilities to solve the problem and the ability to keep going if it doesn't get solved, that's much more important than a confidence in the actual outcome.
0: Yeah. And that's just such a big thing. I've been having conversations in my course with the women about this because the last week of the course is what happens when it all goes wrong. These are all of the things that could go wrong. And I have an introduction with them and I'm like, I can't teach you everything that can go wrong because there are millions of things that can go wrong that these are the processes to follow when something goes wrong. And what I want you to keep in your mind is that nothing has beaten me yet and nothing will beat you yet if you just give it a go. And, you know, you have a a soft place to land, a soft place to ask questions, and you are confident in yourself and your process. Nothing else matters. You'll get through it. It's okay. There's no, no one's going to die if the emails don't work for an hour. I love that it's when, not if as well. Yeah. It, because it will it's just it's the business we're in I actually just had another podcast recording and I said the same thing when you're confident in yourself there's so much more certainty with anything when you figure out how to make money when you figure out that your business is sustainable because of you it's nothing else it's not the tools you're using it's not something extraneous it's just you and yeah mindset work is such a huge thing for me so mm. do you do journaling or when you say mindset work how do you kind of work on that I am terrible at journaling. I would love <laughs> to be that person. That's just like, yeah. This morning,
1: I sat down with my coffee and say. I didn't. That is your journal. Sorry, I'm not that person. Yeah. I have a sparkly brain, otherwise yep. known as ADHD. Yeah, whatever I start writing will not be the same font as <laughs> when <laughs> I finish. Mean, babe, no way. I started off really. It's like, oh, just so nicely. De-
0: blah, 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 blah. Yeah,
1: yeah, and and I don't want to go back and look at that. And so I don't put myself in that position. That's what I do mindset wise is I have a couple of mantras that I will say to myself before Mm. I get on a call of the aim isn't the outcome. The aim is the information. And what am I going into? Mm. What am I expecting? And how likely are those expectations to come to fruition? Also, my main thing that I use as quite a coping mechanism throughout both business and personal is the power of three in that what are three ways that it could be worse? What are the three most likely outcomes? And what are the three things that I am grateful for? So that. recognizing that in myself of it could be worse, yeah. what's most likely, and what am I grateful that I still have? And that's something that I've instigated with my husband. We'll quite mm. often do that while we're lying in bed, doom scrolling before and looking yeah. at light bricks in bed terrible, terrible people we are. <laughs> but we'll sit there and if something's gone wrong, it's like, okay. This is terrible. This is a really shitty situation that we're in. What are three ways it could be worse? And as soon as you start thinking about where it could be worse, you realize that you're not at the bottom. You're just above mm. it. you yeah. even a little bit higher, or maybe you're in the middle and you're just yeah. thinking you're at the bottom. <laughs> What are the three outcomes or likely outcomes for this situation? I might not get it. I might get it and I'm too busy to do it or a secret third one that's really fun <laughs> that you don't know anything about. Then <laughs> three things that you're grateful for. And that might be that I'm grateful that I have the challenges. I'm grateful that I have the opportunities. I'm grateful for the fact that I don't have this, that or the other. Now, as someone who is childless by choice, quite often... And I'm sorry for all the parents that are in the <laughs> audience. It's great that you have kids, and I'm really happy for you. It's just something that I'm not interested in, no matter I, what. I really respect People that. People who have no business talking about my uterus say. Yeah. Um, but I will often have one of those things of like, it could be worse if I needed to care for children. Mm. If I was struggling to just care for my own mental health or yeah. dealing with my own day to day. I know I have the wonderful privilege of being the ownership and pioneer of my own time which is not something that all parents have and so a lot of the time it's just recognizing that your three of any of those are going to be different to everyone else's and you just recognize them for yourself and that's my mindset stuff that I use daily if not multiple times a day
0: I love that. It's real. That seems really grounding and, kind, yeah, kind of something to bring you out of your head and into reality, which I think we all need. <laughs> but especially, you just touched on this that you also have ADHD, which mm-hmm. I was also recently diagnosed with. So I would love to talk about that a little bit, selfishly, because it's something I'm still learning about. But what do you think some of the challenges that you face are? And I guess also, I would love to know what the positives of it are because there's pros and cons to everything and I'm trying to focus a <laughs> on the positives. So yeah, can you talk a bit about that?
1: I really find it funny that it's like I'm trying to focus on the positives <laughs> and one thing that ADHD is lack is focus sometimes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I will wholeheartedly admit that my diagnosis happened in February of this year. So we're currently in July. It is very recent, but I recognize that I only need to be one day, one month, one step ahead to mm. share what I know. Yeah. I also think it's really, really relevant to be open and honest that I am in the middle of my journey. I don't know everything, mm. which is actually a massive gift and a massive benefit for myself because it means that I get to work out what it means for me. As a person with a ADHD, I actually see it as a really fantastic superpower in, sight in some Respects mm-hmm. and my Achilles heel and others, mm-hmm. so I am fantastic at solving problems. It is one of my greatest joys to solve a problem or to work out why something works or why yeah. it doesn't. Find the solution doesn't matter what it is. It can be anything from a killer spreadsheet to a piece of creativity to the wine rack that I've had to make because I do work for <laughs> wine. But recognizing that it has that really fun and interesting. Way to get me really hyper-focused and interested on solutions, and that, mm. that's really benefited my business, because I'm yeah. very, very much a solution-driven, creative, and I'm very solution-driven in the way that I price things as well. Yeah.: I also am really, really good at recovery, and it can actually come across as a disconnect from empathy or disconnect from emotion. Mm. If I have a freakout and they happen. I can recover quite quickly and my husband will be sitting there and going, are you okay? And I went, yeah, sure, no, I'm over it. And so you're crying your face off a couple of minutes. Yeah, and I've moved past it. It's done. I got it out, yeah. And (laughs) and he's I'm a little bit jealous of that. And I went, yes, but it also means that sometimes I stop myself from feeling things deeply. Mm. So I remember a skydiving time that I went skydiving and I don't remember it very well because I cut off the emotional side of it. Mm. And so I didn't feel it, and so that sometimes can be my Achilles heel of I don't necessarily feel things as deeply, not as in
0: the moment. Sometimes, yeah. 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 A lot
1: of people have this. Oh, be in the moment, and I'm like, yeah, nah. This is just what I need to do. Yeah. Um, I also have once a week a dopamine day. So a dopamine day for me is. Disconnecting from responsibilities and just following the dopamine. And sometimes the dopamine is actually work focused. Yeah. You know, find the little things that have already broken in your website that you get to fit, but because it's fun.
0: Yeah. It is
1: actually fun sometimes to like problem solve and go through that process. Yeah. It does mean that sometimes I get, I feel a lot of rejection really quickly Mm -hmm. and I need to work and use the tools that I have to be able to go, oh, they're not rejecting me. The, maybe the price isn't right mm. for this situation. Maybe I'm like the smallest cog in the machine that is moving mm. their business and maybe I'm the thing that they can drop for the moment and pick back up and that doesn't mean that I'm not good enough. Yeah. There was this really fantastic thing that I I ended up writing about in one of my emails. Of when you're sitting there and you're juggling lots of different things, remember that not all the bowls are glass. Some of them are plastic and they can be mm. dropped. And I feel like sometimes I have to recognize in myself that I'm that thing or that I might be the one that's juggling and I can let things go. It yeah. doesn't mean that I'm a bad designer, businesswoman, yep. person,
0: dog mom. Just w- woman. And In general. Woman. Yeah. Yeah,
1: seriously. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that I've failed. It just means that I'm flawed. And that's yeah. great. Yeah. How fantastic to find a way that you're flawed that you can either choose to work on or just acknowledge. And remember all of the good stuff. Remember mm. all of the things that you're freaking fantastic at. And that's where I think the the navigation with ADHD is, well, I'm not as alone as I thought but I'm also not as common as others. And maybe the little things that I find that tickle the edges of my brain to make me the unique person that I am, maybe they don't have to be accepted by everyone else. Maybe they can just be accepted and utilized by me. Yeah. And how I choose to facilitate and accommodate the ADHD eccentricities, I think I would say. Whether that is through medication, I'm currently on my second type of medication. I started with Ritalin. I am Mm. now on dexamphetamine and I'm navigating through what that looks like. And it doesn't mean having the same dose every day. Yeah, It doesn't mean having the expectation that I remember when Ritalin really, really didn't work for me. And my first thought was I've failed the medication.
0: I mean, wasn't the truth.
1: yeah. It's something that you work on. Yeah. You develop, you build, just like a skill, just like a muscle. It doesn't, none of this is failure. All of it's learning and learning Mm -hmm. what works for you and how you can alter it in your own process. And then there will come a time at any point in your future that you will look back and realize what you've learned there and what was important, reframe it to be part of your story. Yeah. And that's great.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> I was going to ask you about medication, but I was like, I don't have to put this in if, I don't, if you don't want me to. But I, yeah, I, I believe that I'm an open
1: book enough that mm. you're reading the pages and I'm on just on the other side of that page, yeah. writing, being like, at least yeah, I can write.
0: Yeah. I'm to yeah. So it's fine. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Only I can read it. It's all good. <laughs> I resonate with so much of that. And I feel like as well, Probably other people will hear this and be like, oh my God, I have that, I have that, because this is what happened to me. I just started hearing people talk about it and being, oh, maybe this is a thing. And a lot of what I have, I think, with the symptoms and all of these things are things that I think a lot of people have, but maybe it's just more common, or maybe we have more of them. I feel Um, like some of us need to just play symptom
1: snap. Just be
0: like, oh my God, yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Totally. Some of the things you were saying, I was like, yes, oh my God, yes, oh my God. But for me, it's just been a huge thing is just awareness and just acceptance and okay, this there's a reason behind this and it's okay. And I think as women, we're very good at optimization and we're very good at figuring out how to get shit done. And that's just what I've done my whole life is I've known things about myself without knowing them and I've made allowances for them. So in my business, I don't have that many meetings or I do have a lot of free space. I don't work with people. I work on my own. I've thought about growing a team of growing an agency and it just keeps coming back to nope, it's not for me.
1: <laughs> I mean, I tried it. I'm a terrible <laughs> boss. I just want to be liked. Yeah. terrible. Yeah. And I, I was recently talking to my therapist and I'm, I feel like I've been doing okay. And I'm like, she's like, yeah, because you've set up the perfect eco space yeah. for an ADHD creative. Yeah. You work at home you have dog cuddles on demand yeah, and you have built your business to the ability to say yes or no to things that either fuel you or don't fit you. And you've created that and cultivated that environment. That's a great thing. Don't sit there and be like, but
0: why is, why, 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 why? Just (laughs) let it be simple. Gratitude. Yeah. Be grateful for the things that you do have. That's so amazing. And I think as well because you're like a coach and a mentor too what greater dopamine boost is there than seeing someone else that you've taught or you've helped succeeding and doing something amazing i get that in my business too it's such an amazing feeling yeah so thank you i think we are just coming up to an hour i love these chats i'm just always chatting 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 yeah which is so great but can you just give us a wrap up where can people find you on social media and email or website or whatever it is tell us a little bit about you yeah, absolutely. So
1: I am your pricing queen on Instagram. I'm always down for a chat. You'll find a lot of the time if you follow me, I'll generally come into your DMs and be like, "Hey, thanks for being here." And it's not a bot, it's me. Don't do <laughs> bots. I yeah. want to actually know the people that are in my that are at my table that are actually mm-hmm. part of what I'm giving and what I'm providing to who I see as the creatives that I used to be. I build for the freelancer that I used to be, who had no idea on pricing, Mm. didn't have the confidence, and who just needed the tools and the guidance just to be a little bit better incrementally each day. I also have a creative business kitchen. You'll notice that everything is very food-obsessed because I like to teach through food. Food is something that brings people together. It's passionate. It's connective. And it's something that people have really strong opinions on. So I'm really always interested of what's your strong food opinion? (laughs) And that's something to connect people, to bring the passion out of it. But also food works as a really good vehicle for complex problems or complex Mm. teachings. And so that's why I use food. Creative Business Kitchen is my website. It's at creativebusinesskitchen.com. I'm going to put a whole bunch of goodies for the listeners here, I really hope that they help out. And so if you're someone who wants help with pricing, someone who wants help with just getting just that little bit of incrementally better each day, and that might be using my free pricing calculator or accessing some of my free guides, or maybe even just joining the freelancer's pantry. If you head to creativebusinesskitchen.com slash womenwealth, I'll be having it all there for you laid out on a silver platter so that you can test and taste the buffet of business that I have ready for you and otherwise just send me a DM let's catch up let's chat you will probably end up being like like Nicola and I just like voice messaging back and forth (laughs) yeah totally
0: yeah we've done a lot of that yeah especially like with the ADHD stuff I've been picking everyone's brains I'm like tell me more
1: I think so it's best you- if it's
0: on Instagram. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I feel like this has been such a valuable chat. I really enjoyed it. So yeah, I will see you on Instagram. See you there, babe. Okay, bye. If you love what I do here, let's connect. I tend to hang out on Instagram and you can find me at Seedling Digital and at Woman Wealth WordPress. You can head to womanwealthwordpress.com to download my free Embrace Your Dream Life workbook. This guide is over 10 pages of actionable information and worksheets designed to help you build a profitable and fulfilling business in three steps. Get clear on your why, improve your money mindset, and hone in on your messaging. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a rating and a review. It truly means the world to me, and I read every message and kind word. Till next time, aim big.